Oh, that is so good. And the evangelical in me wants to get up and start saying preach and amen. That's really great. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, you can do it so much better than I can. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 90 of the Between You and Me podcast, the place where we talk to musicians about the things that hurt, heal and change us in evangelical culture. If you couldn't tell, I'm quite excited that we made it to the milestone episode of 90. I will celebrate every episode and today it is a privilege to finish our Better Together series with the one and only Alvin Garrett. Now, before I get ahead of myself, hi, my name's Jess. It's so nice to meet you. I'm a music journalist based in Australia, and I started this podcast some years ago now to create a place for the misfits, the rock stars, the rebels, the evangelicals, and the exvangelicals, the people who don't know where they belong in the church, to come together and have important conversations. In the last year, it feels like it's become more vital than ever as we try and figure out what it actually means to follow Jesus or to deconstruct the religion or denomination that we grew up in to figure out what our place is in this world. And in our Better Together series, we have been speaking to some really cool musicians about what it means to choose others and to choose healing and to choose wholeness in light of everything 2020 threw at us. Now, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at JesusWide.com, your number one source for Christian music news, reviews, and interviews. Thank you for your support of the entire Better Together series, my friends. We appreciate you. You can check them out now. Now, if you've been following along with the Better Together series, you will know that we have covered a lot of ground so far. We've talked about marriage with Austin Lindsay Adamek and him and her worship. We've covered what good community looks like with SEU worship. We have talked about deconstructing religious nationalism and looking beyond our borders with David Zuck. Uh, we have talked about deconstructing any politicized parts of our faith, asking hard questions in order to love people better with Ross King. And today we are finishing up with what it means to live with an open heart as a black man in America. Now, clearly I have no expertise in that area. And in light of the fact that a few weeks back, we gave you an episode with our friend Ross King, we talked about his reflections of Bloody Sunday as a white evangelical male. I was so, so grateful when I was uh, introduced to Alvin and heard that not only did he sing at the anniversary of the crossing of the Selma Bridge a few weeks ago, but he just brings such a joy and a love and an integrity to everything he does. Uh, his new album, The Lightness of Love, is a natural progression from his previous work about injustice. It shows you where where there is joy in this world still and it feels fitting to end our Better Together series in a place of hope and joy and community. I think that you will love Alvin. You will hear, like, we just did this interview through audio. I could hear him smiling. You know, those people, I love those people. It's the best. Also, his kids love Australia, which I really got a kick out of. So thanks, guys. You made me feel very special. Now, Alvin also teams up with the Danham Project and actually has a songwriting program called The Right Life, where he helps at-risk youth come out of the criminal justice system. How incredible is that? Um, and I think something that even I am more aware of um, the disparity in, in race and the injustice that happens in the criminal justice system, not just in America, but in Australia as well. So Alvin actually teaches songwriting techniques and helps youth develop life management skills, effective communication, and he builds emotional maturity. I love that he's not just 
well, one, he's, he's living out his life with love and integrity. Uh, he's creating music, an authentic sound. He's bringing his story to the table, which we so desperately need. But he's also in there with his community, doing the hard work, being a mentor, inspiring, creating. It's just the best. That's just like better together to find. It's so good. Um, so I hope that you enjoy this episode with Alvin. I think you'll be really inspired and you'll probably just really enjoy it. I think this will make your heart happy. You're going to hear some music from his album, The Lightness of Love Through This. But before we get to that, here's a short bio about the wonderful, iconic Alvin Garrett. first thing that strikes you when you meet the multi-talented musician Alvin Garrett isn't the fact that he's a Grammy-nominated songwriter or that he has worked with some of the biggest artists in the world. No, the first thing you notice about Alvin is his joy. This man is overjoyed to be alive and thrives off his love of family, music and his spirituality. Now in his latest album, The Lightness of Love, we are given all of this joy in multitudes, but his story actually started as a kid. See, Alvin's dad was a preacher and he loved playing music and worshipping in church. Born in Birmingham, Alabama, where he actually now resides, and in 2002, he left his day job to pursue a business venture and was soon joined by his good friend Ruben Studdard. Yes, that Ruben Studdard, who won American Idol. Now, together they were in the band Just A Few Cats. They released an album named, wait for it, Cat Astrofunk. Look how great is that? And when Ruben actually entered and won American Idol, Alvin moved his life to Hollywood. He actually became Ruben's music director and the big move paid off. Today, Alvin is an acclaimed bassist, producer, songwriter and singer and he moves between R&B, pop, jazz and gospel with ease. That's no small task. Calling himself a pioneer of inspirational soul music, amen, Alvin released his first solo project, Expose Yourself, in 2012. In 2015, his song By Myself led to comparisons with Motown greats like Sam Cooke and Al Green. And he went on to write with Fred Jerkins, who has worked with everyone from Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston to Beyonce. And he was nominated for a Grammy. Not to mention a Soul Train Award, a Dove Award, hey Christian Music, and a Stellar Award. Talk about covering multiple genres and industries. And Alvin has also supported multiple musicians as a bassist, arranger, producer, and songwriter. Mind blown right here. He has worked with Joe, Kelly Rowland, Fantasia Barino, Ruben Studdard, Jordan Knight, Dietrich Haddon. You get the idea. Now, through this time, Alvin has continued to release his own solo projects. In 2019, he dropped This Hill. And last year, in the middle of COVID, he released the ever-timely EP, The Awakening, which reflected on social unrest, inequality, and systematic oppression of his people. The songs on the EP became anthemic and actually resulted in Alvin virtually performing at the anniversary of the Selma Bridge crossing of Bloody Sunday in March this year. He actually filmed a video of him singing Walking Across Selma Bridge, which was played at this anniversary. Now in January, Alvin's co-pen song, Patiently Praising, became the first number one song to reach the top of the Billboard Gospel National Airplay charts this year. So he's understandably ready to spread some joy and unity with the world, which is what he gives us in spades with his new album, The Lightness of Love. It's a call for joy, unity and togetherness, much needed, and it mixes gospel tones and swing with sultry, soulful tunes, including the lead single, My Gift For You. I spoke to Alvin about how he found joy in one of the most difficult years of our lifetimes, what it means to be authentic and organic in our faith, 
and we discuss why kids are the ultimate barometers of how good music actually really is. doesn't matter if you've been nominated for a Grammy or not, kids will always tell you the truth. My friends, meet the wonderful Alton Garrett. For people who have never met you before, who is Alvin Garrett? Well, I'll say Alvin Garrett is that uh, that Southern boy, uh, that American Southern boy, grew up in church, uh, you know, taught the, the word of God, uh, but fell in love with music and sports. Uh, so I started playing bass guitar at 11, um, continued to play that all through my years. Um, that was a big part of my professional development in music. Uh, got into sports, did a little karate, you know, got a football. That's awesome. Yeah, got a college scholarship to play football here in Birmingham, Alabama, where I studied business management, uh, which really made me fall in love with the music business. Uh, so I took my talents and everything that I did with my uh, my musicianship. You know, I imagined in my mind that I want to run business. I want to do this for a living. And so, you know, from there, got into production, touring and a little bit of everything. And so, you know, that's as quickly as possible. Alvin Garrett is a I'll say I'm a man of of big dreams and big faith. But my daddy always told me, if you're going to dream it, you got to get out there and put in the work. So uh, I work really, really hard, but I dream really, really big. Yeah. Yes. And honestly, even from reading your bio and your press release, I can tell that because you have a, a ch- like success wise with your career, you have done so much over and over such a broad, uh, like songwriting, producing all sorts of things. Um, and that's really, really cool. But it also makes the fact that you're releasing your own music really special because this is uniquely your voice. Yes. Um, so can you tell me about your latest album, The Lightness of Love, and how that came about? Well, we talked earlier off air about my daughters, Grace and Greer. Well, I'll t- I tell everybody they are my biggest fans and my biggest critics. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. So any music that I'm making, I always play it for the girls and say, hey, what do you think? Um, and around uh, November, you know, I, I was just sort of – Coming out of that phase here in America, you know, we had a, a an election. We had, you know, a, a t- tenuous election, shall I say. You know, mm-hmm. we had social injustice and social rights. You know, just a lot going on. I like to say it was very heavy around, you know, of course, with the pandemic. Just a heavy time last year. And I just wrote a song called Go Together. And it was just light. And if we go, we're going to go together. And, and I played it for the girls. And then he's like, oh, play it again. And I played it again. He's like, I I like that. Play it again. I said, whoa, because they're so hard on me. It's like, they'll play it. They'll say, okay, daddy, now go back to our regular playlist. (laughs) (laughs) She said, that's sleepy music. But we would dance around the house and we would skip and they would, and we played it day after day. And, And I said, man, it just felt so light having music that I could play for my children and play with them. And that gave me inspiration to do more. And I said, I want to make an album that makes people feel light and that love, the spirit of the music, but that music that they can play around their kids. So this album uh, uh, is for adults, it's for teens, it's for everybody. And, and that's what I believe love is. Love is for everybody and love should lift you. And so when you hear this project, you know, you, you just should feel light. And that's why I called it the lightness of love. That is the character 
um, of love. It should be light, but it's powerful enough to lift you and to lift your heavy burdens. joy and that and that light and that love during such a heavy intense time well it goes back to you know what I was taught growing up like I said my dad his name is also Alvin Garrett he you know he wasn't a religious preacher he was a he was a he taught the word of God and he taught me about faith and the principles of love faith and and strength and, and all those things um, and not so much the uh, religious aspect of, of Christianity and so just in my core, you know, when this thing hit, the first thing I thought about was how grateful I am to be alive. Just that simple. And and I thought about the parable of the, uh, the, the, not the 10 lepers and how, you know, 10 came needing something from Jesus. And once he said, hey, you know, I'm going to give you your healing. Nine of them left. Well, matter of fact, 10 of them left and only one came back to say thanks. And then he gave him something extra. And I thought about it during the pandemic. I said, what actually happened to those other nine? How many of them died from, you know, high blood pressure? How many of them died? How many worried themselves to death? How many lost their families? How many got divorces? And I said, you know, I'm simply grateful to be alive. Let's start there. You know, and that's what I share with my daughters, my family. I said, let's be grateful every day to simply be alive and go up from there. And just having the spirit of gratefulness gave me that foundation to find the joy, right? <laughs> because you can't find joy if you're not first grateful for the small and little things in life, you know? So that's philosophically how I approached this whole pandemic. I said, long as I'm alive, I'm grateful and I have nothing to complain about. That's incredible. Are there any songs that were hard to write on the album or do they just flow naturally from that place of gratefulness and thankfulness? absolutely flowed. And, and, and I will say that I've been writing long enough to, to have the skill of t- being a technical writer. I can think things through. I actually teach a songwriting class about how to write music, but this project, The Lightness of Love, literally just flowed out of me. It, it, it was almost as if the songs were already there. Um, and I recorded four out of seven songs in one week, the week after Christmas. Wow. Uh, I literally wrote them and recorded them 
in one week. <laughs> so over half the project was done in a week. And that's my first time ever recording that quickly, that efficiently and writing all at the same time. So for me, I know it was special and I know that it was sent from above uh, because it just came so easily. Um, and that's not always the case, <laughs> you know. Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tee. And I love a good nostalgic band tee, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com, and hit the shop button. Your previous EP was really based around the events that we saw in America last year um, and was really justice-based um, and really overtly justice-based. Um, 
how has how has that actually been a natural progression for you working through discussing those heavy topics to then discussing the lightness of love and sharing that with the world part of my style you know i love to communicate and i love to talk about what i feel and um you know my observations uh, during that time you know i just channeled it through the music and, and and i and i noticed a lot of things that were different um with the situation with george floyd and i just you know i like to reflect and i felt that the pandemic uh, was a source of humility, you know, whether whether uh, people accepted it or called it that or not, it humbled the entire earth. So when that happened, everybody saw it differently. They felt it differently than all the other times when we were caught up running around focusing on our own lives. And so it just, I just felt that, hey, this is a moment in history that we may never, ever have again where everybody on the planet is afraid of the same thing. We were united. <laughs> you know, yeah. we were humbled and united because we were all running from the same thing. And I just feel like we have a very small moment. Let me get something out here. Let me speak from the heart. This awakening. I said, we need an awakening because, you know, this is going to leave us. People are going to hunker back on their sides. They're going to push back to their positions and we're going to go back to being normal. But let me make some music that can say, hey, but quite pay attention. This shows us that it's possible, that it's possible to understand how another person feels if they're from a different race, how another person feels that tears are just tears. Pain is just pain. We're all human. And so that project was heavy for me. But my question is, what can I do about it? That's what led me to the lightness of love. I can only love um, humanity through the heaviness of humanity. Love is the only thing that can lift. And even though in this Lightness of Love project, I don't directly address that in every song. You feel it. You feel it. In the last song of the album, it's called Beat Beat. And I talk more directly about, you know, what we need to do and how love is the answer to, to the problems that we face and the heaviness that we face. So for me, it was a natural progression. Anytime I feel that something is heavy, or if I have a, a, a situation in a relationship or friendship or business where there's something contentious, it falls back on love. What would love do? What would love do? And what does love inspire me to do um, in this situation? Oh, I love how you said that. That is really, really powerful and so beautiful. Thank you. I love yeah. how you spoke about the progression of and like that that there's more than just you address things and we talk about unity and we talk about justice and how it actually led you to express love through joy as well. I think that's so necessary and important. Um, And I'm so grateful that you chose to do that. Thank you. It is so beautiful. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you about your performance um, on the anniversary of the crossing of the Selma Bridge, uh, Mm -hmm. which happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, Now, as an Aussie, I literally, admittedly, only recently learned about this event. Um, mm. But I wanted to ask you what it actually meant to you to be asked to perform and be present for such um, an important mm. event in American history. Well, it, it, it was an honor, and I'll take you back to the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of that same event, which is the uh, Selma, what do you call Bloody Sunday, the Selma Bridge Crossing um, on the 50th, it was humongous. Oh, President Obama was there. I mean, it was 
thousands upon thousands and thousands of people there. And I had a song that I had just written and released called By Myself. Um, and hopefully your listeners will go check that out and see the relevance of it. And I was like, man, I wish I could sing this song. It's so perfect for this moment. <laughs> you know, and everybody that heard the song said, man, this sounds like you should be singing that Selma. But I was left out. I didn't make it in. And, and, it, and it was a crushing blow, but I kept on singing. I kept on singing that song. I would sing that same song. I went to, when I tell you, I went to nursing homes, <laughs> elementary schools, <laughs> I, anywhere they would let me sing that song, I sang the song. And here it is six years later, from the moment I was left out, I was invited in. So it wasn't just the the, the historical uh, aspect of it, which that was very important. It was my own history, which reflects what they went through. Keep pushing. I now can vote. I now have the freedom to vote. Well, 56 years ago, they were crossing that bridge for that purpose. Many of them did not make it. They did not have the freedoms that I have, but they kept on pushing. They made the sacrifice. And so the story for me, why I felt so connected, because five years later, six years later, not only did I have that one song, I have had about 10 songs that were used for their virtual performance. So it's just a testimony that if, if you believe and stay at it, that your time will come, just be prepared. Um, and so walking that same path, um, the music video that I made for one of my songs called It Starts in the Heart, I was able to walk that path that they walked and cross the bridge. And it felt very spiritual to me um, because nobody was waiting on the other side of the bridge to attack me. So it made me appreciate the freedoms that I have um, due to those sacrifices that were made. Wow. What um, what an amazing, like even that story, that six years, I can't imagine how difficult that was and how challenging that was. But the fact that six years later on the back end of probably like one of the humanity as a whole, a really, really rough year, and your music and your voice and your song and your hope actually got to be the soundtrack to not just that event, but a year where humanity has started to look towards each other again. That's yes. amazing. Yes. Y'all mind if I talk to you for a minute with this one here? I feel like we all need a little love. Or shall I say a little more?
wanted to ask you a bit about your career, uh, okay. which when I say career, that's very broad. You have, it feels like you've done everything, um, <laughs> which is amazing. It's just, and the fact that you've had such longevity in your career is incredible. We know that's not easy in music. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about how you first got into the music industry um, and how that sort of evolved into this place where you get to be so creative and not just write your own music but support other artists in their music endeavours? Well, it, it all started, um, I'll say, uh, June twenty second, 2002. And that was the moment I decided I was going to resign from my day job, my corporate job, uh, and go full-time into entrepreneurship. And a lot of people that may know my history here in Birmingham, they may have heard of a guy named Ruben Studdard, American Idol, you know. Uh, yes, even I've heard of Ruben Studdard, yes. Right. <laughs> so Ruben and I um, were best friends, you know, and so he won American Idol in 2003. But in 2002, he was working at Books A Million when I was working at in my corporate job. So when I left, he left too. He followed me. And so we became partners and started a band and started promoting shows. And that led him to American Idol. After he won, I followed him to Hollywood. And from there, I began, that was the beginning of my touring career. And so that was my, I'll say that was my big break, but I had to start with the leap of faith first, because who's to say he would have ever left his job if I didn't leave first, right? Okay. So I point that out um, because a lot of times people say the music industry, well, for me, the industry is just the business. It's the business of it, participating yeah. in the economics of music however you can, whether you're a star, whether you're not a star, whether you're a support role, making money in the business puts you and makes you an active participant in the music industry. So for me, that was what I call my big break. And, and that was based on my my willingness to take that leap of faith. Um, and everything that happened after that has led to what you read in that resume. <laughs> so yes. it's in, the, in, that, in that bio, it came from that day when I told my boss, hey, I got to make that move. That's really cool. When you um, emailed me some answers to pre other questions for my written feature, you talked uh, a bit about Christian and gospel music um, and being – I'm using really religious language here, so please feel free to rephrase me. Um, mm -hmm. But it's essentially being like Jesus, but you don't always have to say Jesus <laughs> to, to be like Jesus. Right. Um, and, and, and when I look at your career and your life and your music, I see that. I see a great representation of joy and love and you just carrying that with you. Um, what does it mean for you to be like a follower of God, a follower of Christ in your everyday life? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'll, I use this example, right? So if I was to walk up to you from behind and dash you with a bottle of water, I wouldn't have to announce that, you, that you've been dashed with water. You'd feel it immediately. You know, I'm wet. What is this? You, why'd you throw water on me? <laughs> right? you, yes. you wouldn't have to see me do it. You wouldn't have to, hey, I'm about to throw water on you. You wash this water. You're going to feel cool, right? I, I wouldn't have to do that. If you, if you needed to be cooled off and I threw water on you, you just feel it. 
And that's my that's my uh, approach to my salvation and my Christianity. If if he's in there, if he's in me, you should feel it. I shouldn't have to announce it to you. I shouldn't have to say it this loud. You will know when you've been wet, right? (laughs) You will know when you've been loved. You will know when you've been loved. And so the religious aspect of Christianity and all of the ritualism of it means nothing. Corinthians 13, what is it if it's not love? So I focus on that. And if I can show love through everything I do, then they will see Christ. And then they will maybe listen to me when I explain my faith, when I explain and say, hey, here's what's behind it all. Here's what motivated me to push through this. Now there's authenticity there, not perfection, not religion, but you see you see the, the evidence of it, you know? So I, I try to, even in my, my R&B music and my soul music, you know, there's a lot of songs that I could tie straight back to a scripture. Uh, a big song that I wrote for an American R&B artist named Joe, the song was called I'd Rather Have a Love. And it's basically the story of he that finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> yeah. If you go listen to that song, he's like, hey, I'm coming up out these streets. I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. I just translated that that scripture from How to Find a Wife into an R&B song, and people loved it. It was a big hit for me. Um, but underneath it all, I just translated the spirit of that, you know, desire to find yourself one woman, right, <laughs> into an R&B song, you know? Oh, 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 nah, oh, 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 nah, nah, where are we marching? <laughs> Do we know where the road's gonna end? Who are we following? Are we further than where we began? Who are we watching? Are we sure that there's really a friend? Why are we hollering? That's not how we're gonna win. It starts in the heart. That's where the journey begins. It starts in the heart. Ah, that's where the pain will end. We'll never make it till we change directions. We'll only arrive there together. It starts in the heart. Oh, yeah. It starts in the heart. I love how you give that illustration. Um, that's I, I. A lot of the time, I I interview people right in like the Christian music, right in the niche of it, um, and it's always really interesting talking to them about faith and stuff because it's part of it's part of their brand. Um, mm-hmm. And so for a lot of them, you know, it's authentic and it's their story, but it's nearly like part of sharing that story. They nearly need to do that to market and sell things, mm-hmm. um, which I understand and appreciate. What I love hearing about and learning is as well from artists who are outside that or who are in the quote-unquote secular industry, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, um, mm-hmm. and and who share 
their story in in that way that's really organic. It's really like that's it, it's it can be it's not separate, but it can be because it's different from the marketing tools used to sell right. their music, um, right. and that makes way for authenticity. It gives them permission to do things really organically, which I love and which I hear from your story. Yes, yes, uh, and you're so right. And and I write gospel music. I've been around church my entire life, so I know how to church. <laughs> best of them, you know, I could totally come on here and sound like a preacher. I know I've been around it enough, but what good is that if people who don't know Christ can't see an example of who he really is through us, you know? Because um, oftentimes, like you say, for marketing purposes, and that happens a lot with church and music, Christian and gospel music, we have to sell the songs. We have to sell the experience of church that people fail to see God at all. <laughs> because they see the performance and I'm all for it. You have to do what you have to do. I'm not against it just for me. I'd rather be able to sit and talk with somebody and they say, man, there's something different about you. Or why are you always smiling? <laughs> How did you get through that? And then tell them a story that makes them see themselves and say, well, I can possibly achieve that same thing. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, we have so many listeners who are going, who are going to love you. <laughs> they will be so stoked. And I, I love as well when you talk about joy and smiling because I can tell that you are smiling and that you smile all the time, even through this audio interview. And it's, it's delightful and just what I need in 2021. Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so you, your, your daughters, obviously, they influence this album, your music, a lot. What do you want them to take away from this album, say, in like 20 years' time when they listen back to it? Well, you know, what I always want my daughters to gather from me and my life and my music is that, you know, daddy chose to do it and da- and daddy put his all in it and and daddy gave it his best. And they're now starting to realize because I, you know, because the music is so wholesome, you know, they can come to my, uh, I've done a few live stream shows. And so I bring them in to see the production, to see the lights. You know, I allow them to see me working hard and I teach them that you can do whatever you want to do. And and they, un- they're starting to understand why I work as hard as I do. Um, and so whatever they choose in life, I want them to look back at the music and say, Hey, my dad cultivated the environment for me and the atmosphere for me to choose who I, who I want to be and what I want to be. I've taught them how to play chess because I want them to be critical thinkers. You know, I don't want them depending on daddy every single time um, a problem arises. What, what should I do? I don't know. What should you do? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I, you know, in my music, um, I want them to be able to embrace that, you know, because music is not all I do. You know, I have to build a legacy not only for my family, before the community and the world. And I want them to see that transition and that that foundation. He did music, but he did so much more with the music. And that's what I want them to see. Oh, that is so good. And the evangelical in me wants to get up and start saying preach and amen. That's really great. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Oh, he can do it so much better than I can. Oh, that's awesome.
down Cause I can't see myself without you I may be bad at addition Because nothing adds up with no you If you gave Picasso a billion strokes He couldn't paint a picture that didn't include you by my side Gave me the world and all that it holds I'll trade it all to give you my life Oh, we can be under a bridge Or in a house on a hill No matter where it is As long as we're in it together some popcorn questions for you which are more just fun questions what album has had the biggest influence on your life no pressure i'll tell you what it is it's you're not going to expect it it is a jazz album by joshua redman quartet by the joshua redman quartet called mood swings that album it's, a, it's something about that album. It got me through college. I would listen to it while I was studying, but somehow I would hear the album when I went to class, took tests, and I could recall everything I studied. Joshua Redman Quartet, Mood Swings, most influential album because it got me through college. <laughs> that take that college students, you have it. That's amazing. Um, what has been the biggest pinch me moment in your career? Biggest pinch me moment. Uh, I think it was when I was um, tossing my baby Grace in 2012 in the bed and I got a phone call from my good buddy Ruben that said, hey, man, you know, you've been nominated for a Grammy. What? I'm like, huh? Like, huh? Oh, <laughs> yes. He's like, yeah, you've been nominated for a Grammy. I was like, oh, OK. And we hung up and I kept playing with my daughter. <laughs> and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> That's awesome. What a way to celebrate. That is yeah. so good. Yeah. Also, you win pinch me moments. That was awesome. That was epic. Um, <laughs> and my last question for you, if you could go back to, let's say, 2001, right before you quit your job to start being an entrepreneur, to move to Hollywood, to pursue music, what mm-hmm. would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? Hey, do it again. Do it <laughs> yeah. again. Don't change anything. Just do it again. Uh, that's what I would tell that guy that left his job. I'm proud of him. Just do it again because you are who you you're going to be that guy you saw in your mind. You're going to be him and you're going to be greater. And you do it again. <laughs> Gangsta White Wall 
just felt the joy in that conversation. He's just such a cool guy, right? I love his stories about his daughters. I got such a kick out of that. He's just a really authentic person. I really loved that as soon as I brought up the topic of like faith or religion or spirituality, he he actually quickly like deconstructed any religiosity, any church framework in the sense and actually just went it's about it's about loving God. It's about loving others well. It's about preaching from that place or singing from that place it became far less workspaced far less uh, I suppose and even politicized in what the church has become these days and just became really personal and, and something that can not just change our hearts but other people's hearts I really appreciated that and I noticed it so thank you Alvin thank you for your time and your persistence for this interview we had to do this a few times but I'm so glad it worked out my friends if you would like to connect with Alvin Garrett go and show him some love he is at the Alvin Garrett. That's Garrett with two R's and two T's. You can also pick up his album, The Lightness of Love, right now. You heard all those songs through the episode, so you can pick them up on your favorite streaming platform. And if you really love what you heard and you want to hear more of maybe like what he sung um, for the Selma Bridge Crossing, you can also check out his previous EP, The Awakening. You'll find all those links in our show notes. You can also find out more about Alvin at alvingarrett.com. Very easy. Find out about his previous work, his music, and connect with him. How is that for the end of our mini Better Together series? Right on Good Friday, like one of the, or the most sacred holiday time in the Christian calendar, right in a time when we are looking at what it means to actually face the darkness and brokenness of the world but also see hope and redemption that God gave us that Jesus gave us it feels so beautiful that in the last three months or so we have been able to unwrap the beautiful and hard and tense and complicated and extraordinary parts of what it means to love others and to be open to community and to learn how some of our favorite musicians and some of our new favorite musicians are actually doing that in their own lives. I love hearing about how they are stepping out of their comfort zone, how they're stepping out of marketing structures, how they're just pursuing justice and love and grace personally. It inspires me to be authentic in my own story, in my own life, to be like Jesus by embracing who he's created me to be. My hope is that this series maybe has facilitated some healing for you. Maybe maybe it's introduced you to a bunch of great musicians. Maybe it's just caused you to, to ask some questions, and that's awesome. Questions are awesome. I mean, they can be scary because we don't always have answers to them. But if we ask the questions, there's room for God to move, right? And that's really, really cool. So thank you to every single artist who has taken part in this Better Together series. It has been a true honor um, from Phil Joel to SEU Worship to Alvin, him and her worship. We've had David Zuck. We've had Ross King, uh, NCC Worship. I'm sure I'm missing people, but there have been so many artists willing to go to those places. Um, and the only reason they actually go to those like hard, difficult, like real authentic places is because they've lived it out. Each one of these people have been sharing a story and that has been awesome. Like, as a journalist, I can't ask for anything more. As a person, it is the greatest honor. And I'm so glad that we can share that with each other. Thank you for doing that with me, friends. Now, we are going to take the next two weeks off. 
We're going to start going back to a bi-weekly schedule with our podcast now that this series is over. But we have a whole bunch of amazing interviews in the pipeline and I can't wait for you to hear them. Um, So my prayer is that you have a really peaceful Easter, um, that if you recognize Jesus as as the Lord and that you know him, that, that this is a time of quiet and rest and grace, that you feel hopeful, that you feel forgiven. We know there's a difference between actually feeling and believing it and actually hearing that we're forgiven, right? Um, and if if Easter is a hard time for you because of family stuff or because of religious trauma or because church is weird or has been weird for you, my hope is that you just find rest at the moment, that whether you're commemorating this, remembering this, or, or just getting by, um, please know that you are seen and that you are heard, uh, that I love you, that we love you, this community loves you, um, and that the God I believe in loves you. However you go about this, whether it involves going through the normal motions of what we do with religion or in the church that we've grown up with, whether it just involves you sitting quietly um, and reflecting on what love and forgiveness means to you. We see you. We love you. I'm thankful that you're here. So that is all for this episode and our Better Together series. We're at episode 90. I can't believe it. I know I freak out every single episode because I'm like, I can't believe that we're doing this, but it's genuine. It's just me. One day when we meet face to face, you will see that. I promise. Make sure you hit subscribe so that in two weeks you get our next episode. We are speaking to a wonderful artist called Todd McVicker. If you follow us on social media at Between You Me Pod, you will have seen and heard his music. We have been talking about him for some time now, and I can't wait for you to finally hear his story. That is all I have for you. Thank you for doing life with me. I pray peace and love over you this Easter. Forgiveness is real. It exists, and second chances are here for us. Here's to hope.
is a family, a bloodline, a future, a new life. Oh, healing, forgiveness, a clean slate, a purpose, a family, a bloodline, a future, a new life. Sing Give you 